When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants. Featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazzoni. Part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. Doug, it's the Thursday edition. Should we, should we call it any sort of special name or just say, hey, it's Thursday? Giants Croncast, almost the weekend edition. <laughs> I should program that AI voice Thursday with Doug and Brian. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're switching or we're going to try to do two a week. This week, we're going to unfurl the uh, bullpen trust power rankings for May. I held off specifically for uh, doing the twice a week, but Doug, I, I didn't totally look through the schedule and we're uh, premiering this in the midst of a series at Coors Field, which is just uh, terrible timing. <laughs> so- no, it's, a, it's an awful idea. Awful <laughs> idea. I wrote an article uh, on Tuesday about how good the bullpen's been. My first three paragraphs were like, I know I'm cursing them. I'm aware <laughs> of that. That's how it is. But I mean, I have to get this in now or else they'll have a bad series and I won't be able to write it at all. And then I'll have less content. So if things are going poorly, because we're actually recording this a little ahead of time before the series is t- has taken shape. Listen, it's Coors Field. Give us a break. Give the Giants a break. <laughs> you know, it's like we should just focus on what they did in May and see how that influences their our trust in them. Uh, you know, Coors Field ex- accepted, uh, which th- those series are always going to come down to. Can the Giants hit? And the good news is the lineup's almost back to full strength. So that's, I think it's incumbent upon the bats to do some damage here. It's not all about the bullpen at Coors Field. Yeah, hundred percent. You gotta, you gotta show up when, when it's time to hit. You gotta hit, as I always say. That is your biggest saying. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> uh, it's not quite as catchy as "Hum Baby." which is uh, how we're going to talk about Roger Craig very quickly passed away at 93. Uh, the Giants manager, I wrote about this on Monday. He was the first Giants manager I can remember. So uh, for me, he has a special place in that sense. You know, I, I, I got very fortunate when I was you know young enough, when baseball became a thing, I got very lucky. It was, you know, Will Clark, Robbie Thompson. There was... Uh, eventually Kevin Mitchell a couple of years later, but then, you know, Roger Craig was sort of the focal point of that. And, uh, you know, I just, I, good energy, good vibes. It was, it's been like sort of nice learning more about him as I've gotten older because, 
he really was the manager for this moment in time where I was a child. So he really was just like this face on the TV and our media environment was not the same as it is now. So the information available is pretty much the newspaper and whatever you, you catch maybe in like a sports illustrated, maybe what slipped through and like on the radio or the TV uh, that's, and that's about it. And, you know, as a, as a seven, eight, nine, ten year old, I was not uh, consuming every bit of baseball media that was available, believe it or not, Doug, but uh, Roger Craig, 93, good long life. You know, they brought him back. They, they had brought him back several times. He would, I remember him in, maybe in the booth with Krug and Kipe once or twice. Um, he's always a good presence. He always uh, was sort of the last, one of the last bastards of the old school ball where you would just hit and run and nobody cared if, uh, a guy, you know, if you sent someone to seal, nobody cared if he had like a 55% success rate. Like, yeah, you got to make things happen. And it was, it's sort of a fun, a fun throwback to that old era of baseball that's, uh, that's gone now. And he was always a, a great presence and uh, he'll be missed. When it's time to hit, you got to hit. When is this? Exactly. <laughs> But I also wanted to write about it just because I felt compelled. Like, you know, I feel like it's one of those things where this this guy touched so many lives, this guy. And I'm really saying it like that because maybe for people, you know, our age, basically, or younger, for sure, he's a name. He, he has no, you know, we don't know who any of Giants managers in the past were like or anything. But we know the lives he's touched better because, you know, Mike Kruko and Dwayne Kuyper still talk about him. Uh, very positively, very enthusiastically, very lovingly. I think that's a better way to say. Will Clark's been tweeting uh, on his account. Monty Pohl wrote a really nice uh, article. I don't know if you saw it on NBC Sports Barry. It was really, it was just very kind. So he's obviously touched a lot of people. I just have really fond memories of the whole time of getting to learn the Giants. And he's definitely the figurehead of that time. So. All right. Now we talk, we're going to talk about interesting and concerning things on our next show. And so right now we're just going to spend the rest of this one talking about the bullpen trust because, Doug, a lot happened in the bullpen trust power rankings going from April to May. Quite a lot. Uh, among those things being that the Giants bullpen at the end of April uh, was not good. And in fact, on the season, the bullpen's uh, wins above replacement is just 0.9. So barely a win, not even a win above replacement for the season. But since May 1st, they are 1.4 wins above replacement, according to Fancrafts, which tells you how bad they were in April. They are fifth in MLB in that measure, third in the National League. So a bit of a turnaround in the group, you know, being that high up uh, in terms of bullpen effectiveness. Uh, I'm going to run through what we had in our top 10 last time. Sound good? Or yeah, our, on our cool. list last time. So, you know, we started with least trustworthy Sean Jelly, then Cole Waits, Jacob Junis, Tristan Beck, and then Doug and I had a difference of opinion here. Doug was proven right, ultimately, but it was some version of either John Brebbia or Scott Alexander, Scott Alexander or John Brebbia. Then it was Taylor Rogers, Tyler Rogers, and Camilo Duvall. So, well, we have a new list of we have uh, some new guys on here. Uh, it's going to be dealer's choice if they if they want to include Luke Luke Jackson. We have not exchanged uh, beforehand, which maybe is not for going to make for good podcasting, but that's what editing's for. We'll find out. So, Doug, 
<laughs> who is your least trustworthy person in the bullpen right now? I mean, so the thing you, you have to realize is because everyone was good, you sort of have to look for the like any kind of red flags. So like, I don't want to say that he actually had a bad month. He did not have a bad month. He had a very good month, but uh, because he his walk rate was about six walks per nine innings, I have to put Jacob Junis as in my last spot. Um, he you know his strikeout rate was great. He didn't give up any homers, but when you're walking that many guys, bitch thirteen and a third, so um, about two thirds of that, so like nine walks. Uh, that's uh, that's that's a lot of walks, and that's something that will eventually come back to bite you, even if it didn't in May. So Junis was my number eight. My number nine was Shamanaya, who I don't know if they're considering him a reliever. I think they're considering him a starter who's just going to have an opener. But I counted him as my least trustworthy guy, only because he had a really great May. It must be said. But I don't my uncertainty about the role they're using him in. It seems like they figured something out, but it feels like it's a a stopgap. Like it seems like this could work and it's working for now, but we maybe we can't trust it. I mean, he had a 317 FIP in May uh, that this is after he had a 393 ERA, but that's after a 785 ERA in April. He allowed just two home runs and 18.2 innings pitched. His fastball velocity stayed the same. So many, like you said, Doug, so many positives. They were good. So I don't know. I just put him as least trustworthy. And Junis, the same. The reason why I put him a little bit higher is kind of usage. Like it's like Manaya is going to go four and Jacob Junis is going to go two. I trust Junis to go a little bit more than to do his two innings, but also the no home runs allowed. And he had a 0.274 win probability added, which maybe I use this. That's that number too much in these uh, rankings. But, you know, in terms of uh, win probability for the bullpen this past month, he was not the lowest. He was not the least. He was he was he was up there a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I. I had Manai at number eight for oh. pretty similar reasons. Um, basically, I was like, you know, he he was great last month, but that his th- that big first month of the season it just makes me skeptical. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you're talking about trust, I'm like, yeah, do it again for another month or two, and then I'll then I'll kind of move you up. But for now, uh, I, I'm still scarred. Yeah, I mean, they both had those Junus and Manaya both were like, what is going on here? And and I was not a Junus guy for pretty much all of last season. So I, I should be more skeptical, but he really did. He looked pretty shiny and, and polished in uh, in May. Okay, so then who's your number seven? Uh, number seven, I have Tristan Beck. He looked impressive. The eye test was impressive. He had a low ERA. I'll say his, you look at kind of some of the things that you expect to regress and for a, a pitcher that's strand strand rate and Babbitt, basically. He had a, a strand rate that's a little bit high. So generally speaking, you expect 75% of the guys that somebody that a pitcher puts on to score or uh, to, to not score. And for him, it was 85%. And then he had a 208 Babbitt. So that's going to come up. Um, and so I look at kind of how it's going to go in the future. And I go, well, yeah, he's not going to have a 289 ERA every month as much as he did look good. But at the same time, he also looked really good. So good that we're we're like, is he going to start? 
Yeah. And now Alex Actually. Wood hit the IL. As we predicted, Alex Wood's going to hit the <laughs> IL and Tristan Beck's right back up and he's probably going to get a start. We're not sure. He might. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I He had a 403 FIP. That was my main concern there. But I really liked 17 strikeouts and one walk. Did I see that yeah, correctly? Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's fantastic. But you're totally right. Like the wool, he had a lot of contact luck as well. But again, the eye test, it, it's assuring. It's kind of almost like rating him seventh or putting him seventh on this list almost feels like we're sliding him. But he was good. He was he was really solid. <laughs> he was so yeah. solid. It's like, oh, maybe the Giants really have something here. Yeah, it's not like we put him seventh. Not it's not like this seventh ranking is the same as ranking seventh on last month's list. That's right. Where no, it would be a, an insult. <laughs> yeah, maybe we didn't like stress enough. Like all nine of these guys, like the the tone and tenor of the bull uh, talk about the bullpen this month. It's like, oh, this is a really solid group, like a really solid group, uh, and that kind of yeah. leads into my next one. Fold at number six for me was full because I had Tristan Beck at seven as well. I don't know if he's your six as well. Ryan Walker, that was my six. The way they folded him in and he immediately looks like he fits in. He's the exact kind of reliever I, I've been studying. Just looking at what the Giants, uh, you know, what they grab from players or what they how they assess players, the ones they acquire. And uh, he fits in perfectly with the sinker slider combo. He also passes the eye test in a really exciting way. I'm like, okay, because he's a rookie, he's like, and he's an old rookie. It's like he could be a sixth inning guy, seventh inning guy to start. That'll really help them. But then you're watching him like he could be a seventh inning guy. That's really impressive. <laughs> At least right now, I'm like that excited about his potential. And uh, so I, I trust him six most. I don't know. Who's your six? Um, so so I uh, have Ryan Walker fifth. I have Scott Alexander sixth. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to make a counter here, but okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, so the only thing about Scott Alexander is that he, first off, also very low Babbitt bound to regress. It was a 130 Babbitt for him. Um, and maybe there's some lefty-lefty stuff that'll explain a little bit of that, but not 130 explain it. Um, but he also just didn't get a lot of strikeouts. He uh, He struck out four guys in eight innings. And look, it's not necessarily the biggest part of his game, but if you're going to strike out, if you're you know only going to get one strikeout every other inning, and then you get a normal batting average on balls in play, you're going to give up some runs. You're going to give some hits. You're not going to be the ultra shut down lefty guy that uh, that a team wants to see. So not to say he was bad or you know anything like that. I'm going to just have that caveat every time until we get to the top three, I think. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you look at that and you're like, well, there's going to be a little bit of, of iffiness coming with him. So he pitched 9.1 innings, just to point of fact, and he struck out five. Uh, that point is well taken. And in those 9.1 innings, he had a four thirteen a point four one three win probability added, which Again, I might maybe weigh that too much because I have Alexander much higher. But the argument I'll make with Alexander is StatCast loves him. His sinker specifically, it has a minus nine run value, which is has a context component too. So, he, But he throws it 85% of the time. It is his primary pitch. And his primary pitch is like the seventh or eighth most effective pitch of all pitch arsenals 
in the National League just based on run value, the minus nine. He's tied with Dustin May for the most effective sinker in the National League. And it's it's like a top 15 pitch in baseball, his sinker. So I just look at it in terms of like he's seems like very context dependent. So both defense and then like the outcomes to determine run value, that's all tied into it. I think he's a guy, but also I understand your larger point. That's certainly something concerned with, but just looking plainly at the num- numbers, the nine point nine six ERA with the three eighteen FIP split, that is definitely very concerning that if I saw that with other relievers for sure. But for now, at least the first two months of the season, this is some version of, of what he's been. It's kind of like why the giants held on to him despite the injury uh, troubles. What was the article the other day? He's, he's a diabetic as well. So that's like a constant thing he has to deal with. So I don't know. I just, I look at what he has done and I go, okay, I can see how this is going to work out, but your point is taken. It may not. So (laughs) who do you have uh, as your number five then? So number five is Ryan Walker. Um, okay. And honestly, I might have I might have put him higher if he'd been doing it for like two months more in the majors. There's always that. There's always just a little bit of that. But he's a rookie. You yes. Know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's, he's done it, but he's a rookie. We'll see. So that's why he's at five. His performance, I think, would dictate him being higher, but he's a rookie. So we'll see. My number five is Taylor Rogers. And that's that's only because I have Scott Alexander at four. But Taylor Rogers had a great a great month. Ten games, two holds, one win, nine point one innings pitched, which is the same as. Look at this uh, Scott Alexander and uh, Rogers comparison. Both pitched in ten games. Both had two holds. Scott Alexander had two wins. Taylor Rogers had one win. Both pitched nine point one innings pitched. They both had a 0.96 ERA and they both had a three eighteen FIP for the month. Weird. Uh, but uh, Taylor Rogers 0.304 win probability added and Alexander beats him there. So that was kind of the tiebreaker for me. Plus the, the run value, you know, stat cast. I, I mean, stat cast is, it depends on, is that the flavor of baseball you like? I can understand not liking it, but I also know that, well, some, some part of the league looks at that and it matters and probably the under the hood stuff even more so, but Taylor Rogers, in my mind, I don't find them interchangeable, but maybe you do. I don't know. All right, Doug, who's your number four then? Uh, so my number four is Taylor Rogers. Um, I thought about putting him higher, actually, because, you know, he has, I think at this point, completely turned it around from where he was his first couple over the first couple of weeks. And in, in May, he was he was great. Um, everyone was great in May. He, uh, he Taylor Rogers struck out, I believe, 13 in nine and a third innings, uh, only walked three, gave up one homer. Uh, and, you know, that's, I'll, I'll take that any month. Um, I mean, you know, again, low Babbitt, uh, his ground ball rate isn't great. There are, there are things that would be nice to see, but I think if you look at the numbers, I, I have, I have zero complaints about Taylor Rogers. Uh, I can't, I can barely even nitpick. So I'm at number four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it should have been closer, but I've been enamored of Scott Alexander's run value on that sinker. But yeah, everything you said, it's like, it's right there. He's 
performing up to his contract, I guess, if you want to say, but like he's pitching the form ditch that cutter. Right. So it's like, he's, he's sort of uh, threw out that glove and ditched a pitch. And now he's back to what the giants thought he would be. Okay. So we definitely have the same top three. This wasn't that hard, even though, you know, I love the guy and you cursed him, (laughs) but my number three is John Brebbia. 10 games, three starts Uh, to me that, I mean, we saw he didn't get out of an inning in one of the starts and that wound up being a problem, but uh, 10.1 innings pitch, 14 strikeouts against three walks, a 174 ERA with a 270 FIP and a 0.305 win probability added. Brebbia's numbers right before, I think this last week, uh, I wrote an article about this on like May 25th or 26th or something like Another situation where Statcast loved everything about him. His results were amazing. He was like 98th percentile in X Woba, and like just he was dominant. He's back, all that stuff. And then last week he kind of fell off a little bit and and seeded ground to my number two. But uh, John Brebbia is back, baby, and all it needs now is Doug's sign off. But will he do that? So who's your number three? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I have Brebby at number three. I originally okay. actually had him at number two because I was looking at um, just reliever numbers, which did not include their numbers as starters. I, that's what so knocks when, him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's what knocked him down. That's also why I had uh, I had Scott Alexander's numbers a little bit wrong because mm. um, I was looking at it as a reliever. But yeah, I mean, just that little bit of kind of having a bad start that ends up giving up a few runs. Um you know, it's it's such a tight competition here. You know, they're they're all doing so well that just a little mistake like that'll cost you. So yeah, I mean it it cost him, but again, great month for John Brebbia. The way he did it, the only the only thing in there you expect to regress is the home run rate. But like the bat was 316 and he still had a 117 ERA. So I mean that's that's not gonna get worse, right? He's not getting a lot of ground balls, but he doesn't really have to. That's an effective pitcher in San Francisco. So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's having, he had a good month and he's having a pretty good year. He was actually, I think Fangraphs is um, top win top reliever by, by, you know, Fangraphs war in, in April too. It's just, he had an area of six because he drastically underperformed his fit. Um, but I, I, I think he's done a really good job this year. Studying John Brebbia, it really makes me go, man, the Giants need another starter. I mean, the reason why he's the opener is because he's reliable enough that they trust him in that role. But man, can you imagine him being able to come in as the stopper in the seventh or the eighth or like finish the seventh and and get into the eighth or whatever, like just as a weapon in the back end of the he's like, that's almost the perfect spot for him. And it's just the fact that he's good enough to be at the front of the game too. It almost is like the giants are saying like, you're the one we're willing to sacrifice at the altar of utility, but it's like, he's so potent in the back end. And and also, I also just last note on Brebbia. It's not just the facial hair, but he's certainly the member of the giants who is most reminiscent of coach beard from Ted Lasso. Very true. The 14 to three strikeouts to walks in 10.1 innings pitch. Really impressive. I think you and I always tweet about this is like, he's throwing 96 in defiance of Doug Brazzoni yeah. or whatever. But you know, the, he's actually throwing a slider more and the giants have been able to get him to push throwing that slider more often. I think when they signed him, when he started his career, he was like, he did what the baseball tradition was, which was use your fastball to set up your slider. And then the slider being the more effective pitch when the giants got him, he, 
basically became 5149 slider to a uh, fastball. And now it's like 5347. And I'm, I'm going to bet, and I'm not going to go back and bother to look. I'm just going to bet that when he starts, when he's an opener, though, he doesn't throw a slider. He doesn't come out throwing sliders. And that might be why he's maybe slightly less effective. I don't know. It's just that I'm just randomly throwing shit at the wall. I don't know. But uh, he he's really good, and uh, it's really cool to see. All right, so you're number two then. Uh, my number two is Tyler Rogers. Yeah. It's just... What a, what a month. What, what a month. month. <laughs> Incredible. I mean, what, when, like, I'm, I'm sorry when you have Camilo Duvall. You're just on the team. You're just probably not going to be number one. Um, yes. And that's basically it. <laughs> You're completely correct. Um, I, I guess the three fifteen, the three thirteen FIP. If you want to really like find a complaint because of the split with the 0.71 ERA, but my goodness, a 0.71 ERA, and you know why? Because people can't square him up. Right, the barrel exactly. rates, the expected, like all the expected contact based on the quality of of the contact. He's like 98th percentile. He's like right at. He's like very close to Josh Hader, who's just overpowering people. <laughs> And, you know, he's even doing better than Camilo Duval uh, in that regard. Like hitters can't get a lock on him. They can't get the ball coming out of his hand. Just flummoxes people. Incredible. Absolutely staggering. Again, Tyler Rogers. John Brebbia is ignoring you. Tyler Rogers (laughs) is inflicting violence upon me, in my opinion. Uh, anything else to say on Tyler Rogers or should we close the book there? <laughs> uh, no, I'm glad he's on the team. I'm glad the Giants finally yeah. called him up in 2019 after yeah. like 1400 years of him being in, in AAA. <laughs> so then that leaves Camilo Duvall. I mean, consensus, number one. The, yeah. the, also the guy that, that most people who just vaguely follow the Giants, they're the most interested in. On that front office show that Camilo, that uh, Farhan Zaidi got some headlines for on Sunday, the SiriusXM show where they talked about being aggressive at the trade deadline. One of the questions also asked in that interview was specifically about Duvall and how he's like throwing a 102-mile-an-hour cutter. But beyond that, 11 for 11 in saves. Doug, the part that made me go, what? <laughs> when I looked at this, was in 13.2 innings pitched. He had 23 strikeouts and four walks. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the one, the ERA FIP split is 132 and 219. I'm like, okay, so he's just really good. <laughs> he's just fantastic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and of course, you know, being a closer, high win probability added, but just... And astounding, and he's just keeping it up. Every time it looks like, oh, is the pitch lock, clock going to get to him? Is he going to get hurt throwing that hard? It all seems like, no, he's he's a young, elite closer who any team would want. That's what's going on. Exactly. I mean, the, the only knock against him is that they used him so often that they couldn't use him more. So... <laughs> Like they're like, yeah, we got to give him a day off here. Some at some point, he's too good. Um, I mean, he's he, right now. He's like a, he's the consensus all star from the team. Not to say they won't have another one, but everyone's like, in addition to Camilo Duvall, who else is going to make the all star team? And he yeah. deserves it. So yeah, I, he's he's been great. Oh, you just reminded me. What would be really cool right now is to start to hear sometimes during the all star game or around this time, you know, when they start asking players blind ballots that kind of stuff, like. I'll be interested to hear what other players have to say about facing Doval and what that's like. Cause he seems like kind of scary. 
because <laughs> he can get a little wild sometimes. He's also a really big guy. So I don't know. I just would be very curious, especially when he's pretty consistently pumping the 102 and all that stuff. So that's a really trustworthy group from the month of May, Doug. I think they, they had a good month. I hope it continues into uh, into June because I like it when they're good. And they got Luke Jackson, who's been who's been great when it, when he's uh, throwing the ball so far. So, I mean, that's only going to that's only going to help. So I tentatively John Brebbia 2.0. So I was saying I was caterwauling about, well, he has to open. But if they've got John Brebbia 2.0 in the back and he can be as effective, who knows? So I guess let's run through our list real quick, Doug. So nine to one, run it down. This is something that for people to argue this weekend when they go to the bars. Yeah. Know, go to the games. People in the bar, so many people in bars are going to be arguing about our bullpen trust power rankings. That's right. Uh, so for me, it was. Started uh, with Junis at nine, then Manaya, Beck, Alexander, Walker, Taylor Rogers, Brebia, Tyler Rogers, and then finally at number one, Duvall. Then I had Sean Manaya, Jacob Junis, Tristan Beck, Ryan Walker, Taylor Rogers, Scott Alexander, John Brebia, number two, Tyler Rogers, number one, Camilo Duvall. So can't wait to see what happens because writing about relievers is not at all a stupid thing to do. So Exactly. <laughs> Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts when you have a chance. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at Giants Croncast for any news and updates about our show and also Fans First Sports Network, the new Fans First Podcasting Network at Fans First SN. And Doug, what about you? Where can people find your work? Uh, you can find me at GiantsDoug.substack.com where I will curse the bullpen twice a week. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Monday with an all new episode. Until then, go Giants.